everyone on this beautiful day. And we'll begin by this great opportunity we have just to sit with each other in the fullness of silence.
as we sit in silent, upright stillness, we do so to express our original nature. To sit in this way is a beautiful small devotion, an expression, a celebration, a ceremony of affirming our original nature, whether we feel it or not. who you are, what you're expressing, is not captured by the need for a spiritual search. Who you are, your original nature, was never lost. And can't be constructed or found by striving. Who you are has no need to pursue peace or freedom. is not striving to understand something, has no need for purification, is never looking for God or oneness. Your original nature has no desire to be enlightened or to cultivate some fantasied better consciousness. Just simply sitting, offering ourselves with some effort and some dignity and some presence A strong back and a soft front, upright. Celebrates our original nature. These other endeavors that I mentioned or ideas as we sit are just partial perspectives who you thought you were. Because you identified with parts of you that you believe are separate.
And as we identify with these partial views, we naturally were oriented to search for something that will heal or cure this separateness. We might discover that we don't need to find something which will heal our separation. In fact, we might need to lose something. To let go of our perception of and our identification with these partial views which do believe in separation. And of course, we don't actually lose anything, but we can shift our perspective, loosen our beliefs, and especially our identification with this small entity of me, which seems so separate from the totality, the undivided fullness of the whole. Our original nature is not engaged in a spiritual search. But we can witness the seeker, the one who is seeking, and realize that's not my most fundamental identity. We were never lost, so we began to gently release this effort and come home to our true nature, which is always with us. No need to pursue peace or freedom. You're already home. No need to strive for understanding for something or be purified, but to rest, to rest in this unknowable wakefulness. No need to find God or oneness. You are that. This is the ground of being from which you have come and to which you'll return. No need for the longing for enlightenment. Wakefulness is your nature. It's not somewhere else. This is it. 
and there's no need to cultivate some special or exotic consciousness. Ordinary mind is the way. How could just this sitting be the fullness that we seem to seek? Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. that you hear, <clears throat> pardon me, and the echo <clears throat> in our chant. Of what I was inviting as we sit. <clears throat> uh, Confucius, so many centuries ago, ancient Chinese sage once said, the way is at hand but people are looking for it afar. Farmers are using it every day without being aware of it. We cannot be separated. We cannot be separated from the way, even for an instant. What we can be separated from is not the way. But of course, this isn't our usual experience. <clears throat> but there's something when we say these things or hear these things that it, it rings like the bell. There's something that rings true uh, about it. There's a, an old story. Um, some of you may have, have heard. It actually comes from the uh, an old Indian tradition, um, even prior to Buddhism. And it's the, the parable of um, a wealthy 
person who invited a very um, a poor person uh, to his home and um, offered him a place to stay and some food to take care of him a bit. Um, maybe it's like one of us saying to a homeless person, let me give you a meal or come have a place, a warm place to sleep or something. And they enjoyed a little time together. And um, at one point, the um, the wealthy man snuck into the poor man's room and he sewed um, a beautiful and quite valuable jewel into the hem of the, the sleeve of his robe. But the poor man didn't realize it and left with some gratitude for having spent the time there and, and never, never found it and endured continual hardships. And later on, they ran into each other again. And the man said, well, what, what happened? I, I wanted you to have an easier life. How is it that you didn't realize it? Because he hadn't discovered what was right there, actually sewn into the very fabric of his his being. And we each have a a jewel or a treasure, you know, the the parable is pointing to, but we don't know it. And when we don't know it, we're unable to use it. And we're unable to use it as it can't shine in the world. It doesn't help us, it doesn't help anyone else, but no one can take it away from us. But it probably would be a good idea to discover it and to take it out and use it in the world. The problem, of course, in our spiritual practice is that discovery of the jewel is a little tricky. It's not that it's not right there. It's not that it's out there somewhere. It's already, you already have it up your sleeve. So what do you think the jewel is? Most of us have some feeling of wanting to, you know, bring it out and offer our best. Uh, It doesn't have anything to do with being rich or poor, of course, or clever or confused or, or whatever. It's only about, I think, this great boundless love. And we're given this in each moment. And we have a chance in each moment to express it and give it back. It will be with you forever. But we can celebrate it and express it as we said. And this old story, I I, I love it and it's inspiring, but it does have a little bit of a lost and found quality to it, doesn't it? Which makes it compelling because we feel that. And it can set seeking in motion. It, it brings us back to Dogen's question, who's the founder of our school, in which he said, if we all are by nature Buddha, then why do we practice? If it's all here, what's the big fuss about practice? <clears throat> and so I want to draw on some other old, some of our ancestors and one of our favorites that you've heard me and I I think Joel and Josh also talk often about Yunmen, one of our Chinese ancestors. And this story comes from the 86 case in the Blue Cliff Record. 
Um, Yun Min was uh, a very well-known teacher and he was saying to his students, just like I'm saying to you right now, he said, within each and every person is a radiance. Look for it and it's lost in darkness, dim and faint. What is everybody's radiance? And it's said that when Yun Men would teach, often he would say things like this, and I know you have this feeling, I have it too, and all the students would just sort of like, what? He would ask the question like, what, what's everybody's radiance? And nobody wanted to say anything, or they didn't know what to say, and so he would answer himself as part of the teachings. And in this particular story, he said, the kitchen pantry and the triple gate. <laughs> One of those koan things, it's like, what? The kitchen pantry and the triple gate. And he waited, no one said anything else. And he, he said, a second, he said, a good thing isn't as good as nothing. So let's take a look at this a little bit. So the radiance within, he says, each and every person has this radiance or is this radiance. And so this radiance within is reference to our original nature, this jewel, our inherent nature. And then he says, look for it and it is lost in darkness, dim and faint. The darkness that comes from searching is an echo of this idea that seeking enlightenment pushes it further away. I'm going to say it kind of bluntly, and it's a little facile, but like, do you want to be a Buddha or do you want to be a seeker? Because if you identify as a seeker, then your job is to seek. And then even if you find something, since your job is to seek, you're going to keep seeking. Like that orients your entire being. So Yun Men says, within each and every person is a radiance, look for it and it's lost. Dim and faint. So what is everybody's radiance? This is really similar to um, one of the cases that informs our practice deeply between Joshu and Nansen, where uh, Joshu asks his teacher, what is the way? And Nansen says, ordinary mind is the way. You're all familiar with this, this one. But then Joshu asked the question, which we're, which we're reflecting on today. He said, well, should I direct myself toward it or not? And Nansen gives a very similar answer to Yunman. He said, if you try to turn toward it, you go against it. And Joshu doesn't let him off the hook. He says, well, if I don't turn toward it, how do I know it's the way? You know, the questions you guys are asking now, because I'm telling you these things. And Nansen has this beautiful piece in where he says, the way doesn't belong to knowing or not knowing. Your inner radiance isn't about knowing or not knowing. Knowing is a delusion. We think we have it by our concepts. Not knowing is a blank consciousness. You can't just ignore it either. When you have really reached the true way beyond all doubt, you will find it as vast and boundless as the great empty firmament. How could it be talked about on a level of right and wrong?
Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. We just chant it. And wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. If you try to turn toward it, you go against it. Well, then what am I supposed to do? It's Yun Min's asking, what is everyone's radiance? And then he asks that, he answers himself. Remember that strange thing. He says, the kitchen pantry and the triple gate. When this phrase, he's attempting to kind of wipe out the, the paradox. You practice by going to the place of practice. The kitchen pantry, your kitchen, your everydayness, the place where things are stored, and the three gates in the temple, uh, cooking, cleaning, eating. This is a reference you wouldn't get or I wouldn't get. Uh, in other words, you chant in the Buddha hall when it's time for service, you sit in meditation in the Zendo when it's time to sit. Commit yourself to a life in the Dharma and there's no need to search for your Buddha nature. It will find you. It will find you. But only if you place yourself in the way <laughs> so you can be, this is a, a strange analogy. I was talking to someone yesterday who um, was yearning to have a, a partner, a personal partner. And friends were saying, you have to get out there, you know, there, um, you have to do the things that you can find someone. And this is a person who's approaching 50, you know, and, and I said, oh, promise me you will never date, you know, the, the, but you do have to go out in the world so that you can be found. They're like, what? So not so you can search, to try to gain or grasp something, so you can be found. Commit yourself to the life of Dharma. And there's no need to search for Buddha nature. Bow to your cushion, sit, get up, straighten it, do the chant, put on your rakasu, or you know, whatever you light the incense. You practice by going to the place of practice, to the kitchen pantry, to the the main gate by doing ordinary mind, your, your ordinary life, and it will find you because it's not separate from you. On the a beautiful uh, Han that was uh, made for me as a gift following Dharma transmission by the Awakening Together uh, Sangha in the Twin Cities, uh, there are things inscribed on it, the usual uh, verse of the Han, but on the back, there's a little quote from me that's, that's on there. And the quote that they chose and etched into the wood, it says, wakefulness will take care of itself. That's actually the ground on which we sit. I didn't remember saying that, but it sounds pretty good, you know. Wakefulness will take care of itself. That's actually the ground on which we sit. And one morning in the retreat here in Hawaii this past summer, I said, just into the silence at one point, take care of your posture. Take care of your breath. Wakefulness will take care of itself. 
Lord, just come to the place of practice so it can find you. And then Yun Min, hey, no one said anything about this response, so Yun Min answered himself again. That second answer, remember, it's a stronger one. It says, a good thing is not as good as nothing. Suppose you do realize something. Suppose you do have a bit of an awakening. Suppose you do. Then you start to turn it into something and grasp it or try to repeat it or use it to, you see what happens? Finding yourself committed to and immersed in the Dharma can also be a problem. It can be too good. We might end up, you know, having a bit of a, of a shift and we can go to retreats and we feel really wonderful and then we want to keep that feeling going. Or we live in a monastery and then suddenly discover we're actually hiding out and indulging ourselves in silence and solitude and in sitting we might have some emotional high or some great moment of expansiveness and then want to hide in that emptiness that sense of freedom and not come back in there are all these ways that we can get caught a good thing is not necessarily as good as nothing because it's so easy to get caught in spiritual bypassing or what I call manager practices. It's just another way of saying all those perspectives that think they're doing something to help us become something other than what we are. What does it mean to step beyond, though, this experience of good and bad, up and down, right and wrong, light and dark, and then rest in and involve yourself in the everyday tasks and everyday relationships which are your life? That's the place of practice. We practice by coming to the place of practice so that wakefulness can find us, so we can be found. In the middle of the Shin Shin Ming, I'm, I've said so many times, my favorite phrase is, don't keep searching for the truth, just let go of your opinions. It's not about searching, it's about softening this clinging to who we think we are and, and then uh, not realizing that that radiance, that natural state, that original nature is was there all the time. That's where we discover our radiance, or it discovers us. There's another piece within these koans in the comments where Yun Min is, is teaching a little more, and he says, all of you, so I'm saying Yun Min, all of you, <laughs> right where you are in your little square on Zoom, he didn't say that, but he said, right where you stand, each and every one of you has a beam of light shining continuously. Now, as of old, far removed from seeing or knowing, though it's a light, when you're asked about it, you don't understand. Isn't it dark and dim? It says for 20 years he handed down this teaching but there was never anyone who understand his meaning. So what do you understand? What do you understand about all this? I'll, I'll finish talking by just offering um, 
of my own moments of this edge. And it, it came to me, it's just a short poem, it, it came to me at the end of um, our contemplative photography re retreat here in Hawaii um, in December. Uh, on the last night of those that week of, of practice together using a camera, and Cassie talked about this beautifully um, on Sunday, of course, It's it, you know that that the week here isn't about taking better photographs, it's about deepening your spiritual practice, and you happen to have a camera in your hand. And there's a place in uh, the Jewel Mirror Samadhi, which is one of our poems that we chant in our Soto Zen liturgy. And there's a place in it where it says, "It's like facing a jewel mirror. Form and image behold each other." You are not it. It actually is you. It's this beautiful section in the middle. And I was thinking about that as we came to the final night of our um, retreat, because on the final night of retreat, um, each of the participants sends uh, five images that they feel represent something about their practice that week that they enjoy, they think are beautiful. Um, and they send them to John Barclay, uh, my teaching partner, who does all the wonderful technical things, and he puts them together, and we, we sit in the lodge, and there's an immense screen that comes down, as big as the wall, and we have a digital projector, and we project these images, and so each person is expressing themselves in these images. It's a very dark room, and that screen casts light on the people. So that's the context. And here's what I wrote. First, I just put the piece from Tozan to the side. It's like facing a jewel mirror. Form and image behold each other. You are not it. It actually is you. One after another, the images illuminated the screen. Like a jewel mirror. Reflecting the many facets of ourselves and our weak, our efforts, our joys, our struggles, our vision, each a small fractal of the highest dream we hold for ourselves within this precious world we're blessed to inhabit. Faces turn upward, lit by the reflected light, the shifting images themselves painting us with light, a human mural on the gathered bodies. Form and image behold each other. You are not it. It actually is you. Infinitely reflecting the mystery of beauty of this of yes. What about this radiance? What is it that you understand? Yun Men's question. Or what do you not understand? That you'd like to ask about or comment on? Without meeting, we don't 
find anything. It's like when Yun Min is asking the question and nobody says anything, he has to answer himself. Don't leave me to answer myself. Do you really have confidence in your original nature? Do you think what I said is ridiculous? We have lovely. Hi, Lori. Hi there. <sighs> You were smiling a lot when I was talking. Yeah, I was. Your face, I and I thought, something going on with Lori. <laughs> um, well, I wanted to just sit with you. Um, I think it, I feel like any sort of articulation of trying to answer this question would be impossible for me. But I feel like I could uh, communicate with you better if I just sit with you, if that's all right with you. Of course, it's the invitation, isn't it? Yeah. Perform an image to behold each other. You were not yeah. it. it actually is you. Does something arise as we sit in silence? Not necessary, I'm just curious. Yeah. Um, uh, a softening and a feeling of great preciousness sits before me. <laughs> Same here. That great abiding love I mentioned, which is in some ways nothing special at all. Thank you, Flint. Good morning. Um, I'm left, I kind of started with, and I'm still at the point where I started, where I'm left, but um, kind of the same thing that Laurie first said is that um, it seems trying to say something about this or having the words to even respond um, to Yun Men, it, it seems incredibly difficult, if not downright impossible sometimes. And it's like the words, the images, they'll they'll get you close, but they're still part of the edge or the corner of the picture that's not developed or that doesn't respond with a, a concrete thing such as a word with connotations and denotations and that's left with that feeling in, inside of a connection or an intimacy and um, that seems to tie in with uh, 
something you said earlier that really kind of hit home. Um, having confidence. Yeah. And um, it seems that that intimacy with that confidence, it comes in and it comes out. <laughs> you, know? Um, you know, you wish it would stay, but then you get involved with grasping and clinging and desire and delusion and so forth and so on which takes all of your hair away some days. Um, it's very, very much what I was saying to Don. It's like, I, I have faith. It's all here. And nothing really has to be raised. But we can stop and realize what's here. It's about a deep confidence and a deep faith in our original nature. And sometimes nature reminds us mm. it's for example if you and i were standing where you stood to take the images behind you and i were standing there together and we've stood together before in places like that it'd be nice to be shoulder to shoulder and just look not to look at each other to just mm. come together and just look And that's an intimacy of the confidence of original nature. As nature does what it does in a way that your words and even our photographs won't completely capture, we do our best. But when we're shoulder to shoulder and just looking, just being taken by it, it's closer, I think. It's all here, the radiance. And that's where, and I'm saying this as a question, but maybe also a statement. And that's where we're all the same thing, all the 10,000 things are the one thing, and um, we are the ground that we're sitting on. Yes. Okay. Thank you, Ed. Thank you. We have Sandra. Hi, Fling. It's, yeah, it's really, it was so much information that's still flowing with me that I was noticing, I was trying, writing notes, trying to remember, trying to grasp what, the, what you were saying. And suddenly so I realized uh, I'm not going to, I just want to let him go, not to, to grasp what is the meaning of what he's saying. But uh, but what came to me is like the radiance and the mirror, the jewel. Mm -hmm. That stay with me. <clears throat> yes, is that the radiance? Um, and I'm part of the the practice, you know. Yeah, so it's it's. Like like uh, Laurie said, really very. He said, "I don't want to to grasp with the meaning. It's more like feeling that, mm -hmm. and just to to embody that. Mm -hmm. Embody that." So. Yeah, and there's a theme that each of you has spoken of, but I'll just name it, which is, as you feel the the grasping, for example, the note taking, and you 
separate back a little bit from it. It's, it's in the space that is wordless. You can toward the turn the radiance toward the one who was grasping. Mm. And let her rest in that radiance. Mm. Yeah. Yes, that's that. That's yes. When you're saying that, it's like I can. Yeah, I can see that. The one that's trying to grab and the one that's in the radiance. And both of them are in, in the same time, and it's, and it's okay. Yeah. Words are needed for that. It's just, I'm with, I see you, I'm with you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and suddenly everything that she wanted is present. And she went, yeah. Yeah. Yes, to be present with everything, what it is right now. Yeah. Thank you for Thank that. You. We have Francis. Hi, Francis. Yeah. Hi. When I come forward, I'd like to have a question. And today I really just wanted to say how beautiful I thought the way you expressed especially during the meditation, um, the simplicity of what you said. And I would have a hard time paraphrasing it, I think, for someone else, but it resonated very, uh, very deeply for me. Um, when I do get comfortable with the questions, um, I sometimes feel lazy, like I still should be on that path of pursuing more and trying still trying harder but um the um being just being there is is becoming is is makes perfect sense and i also will say that i think you are a very good poet i know you don't fancy yourself one but um whenever you have presented any and um one of my favorite quotes, uh, speaking of simplicity, is from Winnie the Pooh. And, and I, I pulled this up because he says, uh, he's talking about, you know, the full, being the philosopher. Uh, he says, it isn't easy because poetry and hums aren't things which you get. They are things which get you. And all you can do is go where they can find you. Yep. You and Winnie the Pooh, I mean. <laughs> what a great pair. Thank you. Thank you. We have Becky. Hello, Becky. Uh, there are two things in particular that, that happen for me that aren't exactly on topic, but are. One is I'd just like to thank the photographers amongst you all for having shared so much of the process of your practice. And, and, and so on, because I think that for much of my life, I felt that people with cameras were carrying them around in order to not be present in the moment. 
you can do that. That's one way. Them, yeah, to, to have something between them and something else they're doing and so on. And I just feel that amongst you and Ed and Cassie, and it, it's, it's made a big thing happen for me where I won't look at a person with a camera with a prejudice. You could look and at so him I, you could look I'm at really him. You could look yeah. at him with that question. Are you hiding or are you being found? I don't need to know. No, you don't need to know. I don't you... need to know. Well, but that's the same question that I ask myself whenever I look at somebody and wonder if it's a woman or a man. And I'm going, ah, what? How could that matter? You know, I'm going to inter interact with them from the place of openness. Then it does not have any relevance anymore in our lives. So, okay. Anyway, that I just wanted to say a big thank you about that. And any of those that I can just like go, oh, I get it. I was carrying something that is unnecessary in my brain. And yeah. So thank you for that, as well as the beautiful photography that you've shared. Um, and, and the other one that came for me was uh, a thing that has to do with the times in, in my life where I hit a point of probably some fear that then also made me not able to trust myself. And that's a horrible place to be. And yet I've realized each of the times I've touched on that at all for a while, that the phrase from the chant that says, I can trust the universe completely. And then it settles everything in me. And so that's something I'm grateful for as well. And well, that's a shift in perspective that practice offers from trusting your smaller self to trusting the universe. Yes. Yes. I, I, I knew that this wasn't unconnected to the jewel that we, we each carry and right. that it's such a joy to share or experience someone's. So. Yeah. Like we just did with you. Thank you for your radiance. Thank you. We have Suzanne. I've been sitting here through this inquiry so bothered and so annoyed by your message of radiance and and uh, and who we really are. I'm feeling so dense, physically dense and uh, mentally so full of all the caregiving that I've been doing and engaged in and it just um, is going on and on, which I was it's not a surprise, it's going on and on, but I'm this, I, in you speaking, Flint, you guiding you offering us what you have today 
that density in me, that fullness in me doesn't want to hear it. Mm -hmm. But when you said to Sandra, um, turn toward this enough for me, it's turn toward that denseness mm -hmm. with the radiance. Mm -hmm. Something kind of clicked. It's a little crack, at least a little. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I don't know what more to say other than thank you. Thank you to everybody who spoke, who came on. Well, I'll, I'll say that it's not far from my own experience. This, this morning, I was feeling very odd and out of sorts. And I didn't know, and, and Aaron was asking me, you know, what can I do to help and what's going on? And, I said, I don't know, but I could say I'm overwhelmed. I could say I'm, you know, all the things you could say. Mm -hmm. my own, like you. Mm -hmm. uh, but it didn't, um, but I still had to show up and do this. Mm -hmm. And so I said, I'm going to, I'm not going to work anymore on what I think I want to say. I'm just going to go sit. Mm -hmm. And so I went earlier uh, than normal and just sat and did just that. I, I attempted to, it would be so easy to stay in the story of myself. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy and to stay with the same feelings and, mm -hmm. and you know, they didn't all go away, but I began to have enough of a shift to where I could see and to offer because I knew what I was going to talk about. Mm -hmm. and I said, maybe I should try what I'm going to see. You know? and, <laughs> And so then being with everyone here, I'm not thinking of myself so much. You know how that is when you're teaching. Um, I think being really, really skeptical is one of the great entrees to breaking through a little bit. Because mm -hmm. the skeptic, if it turns in a wholesome direction, does question everything. I guess irritated with all the easy solutions mm -hmm. and all the everyday solutions mm -hmm. until something else is possible, maybe. Mm -hmm. What I'm curious about Flint is how I want to resist the intimacy of it all. Right. So what are you uh, preserving? What would you lose if you let yourself go with the intimacy? That's a good question. And you don't have to answer it's, it. It's almost like I could not tolerate it. Like my husband's, he knows what's happened to him. And he can see a little bit into the future and knows it's not going to, it may not change. It's, it's improving certainly, but things might not be all that much different for him. And he's been so loving. And I almost want to turn away from him. And, and at the same time, it, it's such a gift. This, this illness has opened his heart up in such a way that um, that's not to be missed, I guess, is the thing to say. And yet, you're afraid to join him. At times I am, absolutely. There's a line from Rilke that said, I'm afraid I would be consumed in that overwhelming existence. 
Yes. Every, every angel is terrifying. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'll think on your question, Flint. Good. Well, I appreciate what you're saying and how intimate you are with it and how raw and how porous we can be to this because you're speaking about something that often people don't speak about. And I really honor you for doing that. Thank you, Flint. And thank you, everyone who, who came forward today. We say words like love and radiance and intimacy. They sound all good until you actually experience them. It's like, yeah. Why? Yes. Yes. Thank, Thank you. you. And of course, we, we will intone the four practice principles together um, in our chant because they represent this, this edge that we meet here. Because if we're caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Thank you so much, Flint, and thank you all for being here. And your talk, Flint, reminded me of the poem, Stay With Yourself, where um, she says in her last lines, we are always, no matter what, heading back home. And that's what your talk kind of reminded me of. So thank you. Thank you so much for that. And, and if you'd like to make um, contributions to Appamada and to Flint, please do go to appamada.org and you'll find a place to make a contribution, a one-time one, or you can set up a direct debit. And it's always so welcome and so helpful. And thank you again for all the ways that you that you do support us all. And, um, and if you'd like to continue to um, meet and connect, please do pop yourself into gallery view and I shall join you in just a moment. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you.